And actually what ended up happening, which is the weirdest thing ever, is we lived like five minutes walking from the beach and saved so much money. We came back with more money than we left with. I mean, and everything's cheaper there, really is. Even in France, um, Paris is a little bit more expensive, but in the South, my God, even though it's like the most beautiful place and everyone wants to visit, it's very seasonal. So we saved so much money. It was like, I was putting so much money into my savings every month. I was like, what have we figured out here? I used to find confidence in the fact that lots of things come easily to me. For instance, I taught myself how to play the piano as a small child. I could pitch a softball at 60 miles an hour without much practice. I got excellent grades without studying. I was given extra responsibilities at my first jobs. Yeah, I'm that kind of person. <laughs> now, my default mode was to expect to be good at whatever I tried. I expected things to be easy and effortless because that was my experience. Now, most of the time, this was good. It meant that I had the confidence to try new things or step up to a new level, but operating like this also had a serious downside. The downside of finding confidence in things being easy is that when I tried something that didn't feel easy, when a new thing felt hard, I ran the other way. Anything that took effort or practice tore down my confidence and left me feeling like a sad sack. You're listening to What Works, the show that brings you candid conversations about what it really takes to run and grow a small business without the hype or gimmicks. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. Now, this month, we're examining confidence. Specifically, we're looking at how small business owners find the confidence to take a big step forward. Now, as you might imagine, lacking confidence in anything that required me to actually work at a thing, well, it didn't serve me very well as a business owner. For years and years, I ran my business in a way that allowed me to avoid hard things. I hired contractors instead of making a home for employees. I relied on more passive marketing instead of picking up the proverbial phone and closing the deal. I avoided examining my own mindset instead of confronting my biggest fears and weaknesses. I set goals that felt safe instead of taking a long, hard look at what I really wanted from my business. Now, a couple of years ago, I started to get real with myself. I realized I had been coasting. And while coasting might have felt good, it wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. Now, this was around the same time that I started bouldering. Now, if you don't know what bouldering is, imagine a 15-foot wall, or quite literally, a 15-foot high boulder. Your job is to start at the very bottom and use your hands and feet to work your way up to the top. Now, unlike big wall climbing, bouldering doesn't use ropes. You fall on pads and you will fall. And I fell a lot at the beginning. I was terrible at bouldering at first, like truly terrible. Looking back, I'm not sure what even possessed me to sign up for the class, and I'm less sure what made me decide it was a good idea to go back for the second class. Getting on the wall the first 5, 10, or 15 times, I felt weak. I felt inept. I felt truly terrible at the task set before me. But I kept getting on that wall. I practiced, and I hadn't truly practiced anything in my previous 35 years of life. But eventually, I got better. And now, I teach bouldering at my gym, and other climbers come to me for tips on a regular basis. Bouldering taught me how to work hard at something. It taught me the value of 
effort. It taught me how to feel immense satisfaction at the smallest improvement. And I've carried all those lessons into my business. I put more effort into my business today than I ever have before, not because I believe in hustle porn or even associate hard work with bigger results. I put this effort into my business because creating something great requires me to be great, and that requires my effort. It's worth it. My business is worth it. I'm worth it. My conversation today is with someone who exudes effortlessness on social media. Her lifestyle, her writing, her way of showing up, it just feels so natural to me. So I was surprised when she told me right out of the gate that she's embraced an effortful attitude. Her name is Jamie Varon. Jamie is the founder of Shatterbox Design, as well as a writer and teacher under her own personal brand. Jamie made a big lifestyle change over the last few years, and I wanted to know where she found the confidence to do life differently as a small business owner. We talk about the years she spent living and working in France, how she's redefined to satisfaction for herself, and how she balances setting goals with finding peace in what already is. We also talk about the very real implications these changes have had on her business and professional success. This candid conversation with Jamie is part of a whole series we're doing here at What Works on Confidence. We want to shed light on how small business owners continue to find confidence long after they've taken the leap to get started. Over the next month, you'll hear about finding the confidence to raise your prices, come back after a major loss, experiment and iterate, stick with the plan, and land giant clients. When we're not posting new conversations here on the podcast, we're sharing personal essays and reflections from What Works Network members on how they find the confidence to take the next step. To get the full series delivered to your inbox and check out what we've already released, go to explorewhatworks.com slash confidence. That's explorewhatworks.com slash confidence. Now, let's find out what works for Jamie Varon. Jamie Varon, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Tara. I'm excited. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to talk about confidence. And this might be kind of a loaded question to start things off with, but I I figured we should just go there. But you have done so many things in your life. You're up to so many things right now. You've launched so many projects. You exude sort of an effortless confidence in the way that you write and represent yourself online. And I would love to know, was it always that way? Oh God, no. I mean, (laughs) it's... (laughs) I, I well, it's funny that you even say the word effortless because I have really embraced this idea of like effortful, like it should mm. things, it's okay if things require some effort because I used to think that things should be effortless, that like, oh, it should be so easy for me to write a book and do this and do this and all this stuff that like I wanted to do so bad. And if it wasn't effortless, then I shouldn't do it. And so I actually think that maybe the part that comes off effortless is that I just don't get in my own way anymore. Like I really just say, okay, the thing that's going to build my confidence and like make me feel more confident is if I do more things. The less I do things, the less confident I feel because then I get in my own head. Then I'm on the couch scrolling through Instagram, feeling like everybody's doing more things than I am doing. And I'm like, I... I'm never going to do another thing of note ever again for myself. And so it's like, I need to do things to actually 
have that confidence. And so what comes off as I'm just like shipping stuff and doing new projects is like a product of knowing that if I don't do the things, that's when I actually am so prone to feeling insecure because I actually feel like I just get braver the more that I share. Like I have my Friday letters where I write um, a newsletter, like a piece of writing to my email list every Friday. And I actually, at this point, I'm like, what can I share? That's just so like, that's going to make me so uncomfortable because I know that that's what has built, made me feel so much more comfortable doing all the things that I do is just like facing those fears in a way. Wow. Okay. So I really, really resonate with that. If especially over the last couple of years of my life, exactly what you've just described feels very, very true to me. And I think I, I love the fact that you point out that we're we kind of receive this message that things should feel effortless or somehow if if it's not effortless, then it's not for us. Um, and I love that you're kind of flipping that on its head. And that has very much been my experience uh, recently as well. Uh, so I, I would love to dig more into this. And I want to get to some of one of the big things that you've done over the last uh, year, year and a half, two years. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about the Friday letters because I'm intrigued by this process. I've noticed, for instance, that you share often or maybe always on Instagram stories when you're sitting down at your desk to write your Friday letter. Um, and I can tell just even in being willing to say, I'm sitting down to write this right now, like there's some vulnerability there. There's some um, accountability to the process practice of putting effort into it and also saying like, this isn't something I plan out months in advance. This is what I have to say to you right now. Can you talk us through your process of creating those Friday letters and how that process has impacted your confidence? Oh, I love this question because I feel like my Friday letters, I've been doing them since November and I've missed, I think like one Friday because I was, I had a horrible sinus infection and I had a fever. And even then I tried to write them <laughs> and I was like, Jamie, come on, this is nonsense. But <clears throat> I would say that everything that I do with my Friday letters, which has been a very interesting process for me, has been extremely deliberate. Everything is intentional. So the fact that I called them Friday letters so that I would have accountability to write them every Friday. Um, the fact that I did it on a Friday instead of like a Sunday, which felt like more of a, oh, that'll be fun to write on a Sunday. But then, no, I want my weekends off. So no work on the weekends. And then how I, I've changed my whole schedule around so that I have all of Friday to write the letter, even though I finish it by like 11 a.m., I still give myself the time to not feel like I have to rush through it. And then sharing it on Instagram stories is very deliberate too, because I get a lot of messages from people who are struggling to keep their habits, who are struggling to do some of the things that you know they want to do outside of what they're responsible to do and obligated to do. And um, I show that because I show every time that I'm sitting down to write, pretty much every time, because I want people to see that like, I do this so intentionally. Like I go to the same coffee shop. I sit down and I like clear my mind. I don't plan it out. I make sure that I'm writing what's honest right now. And I 
show like I wake up early, I go to the place and I have this time. Like I don't stray from that. And so it's like, it's kind of like, you know, when you say when you're, it's like show, no show, don't tell in a way Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I'm living this. I'm really showing you not only can you show up to the things that matter to you, you can create quality work without it making, you know, you don't have to work for two weeks on an essay or anything, or unless you want to, of course, but I mean, it depends on what your goals are. So I, everything about it, I just can't stress enough is so deliberate. And because of that, I actually love it more because I'm like, Mm. I work at this. Like, I don't expect it to come easy. I think in the past, I, I've always had some, you know, I think everybody has like some natural talent in some certain areas. And sometimes if you haven't been taught enough, like the value of work, like the value of actually doing things. Um, I don't think that I did. I I think that I, or I didn't, I didn't really get it in the past. Um, Now I see how much that kind of process of showing up to it, making time for it, being deliberate about it, making sure that, you know, it's a free thing, but I don't treat it like a free thing. I don't like, you know, phone it in. And I, I over deliver on a promise that like, I'm going to tell you a really compelling story. I'm going to have you learn something about yourself through my experience. Like, I don't just like, it's not a diary entry. I really write those like in a way where I understand who's going to read them. And I guess in a way I find that I, I think that I used to find that like overnight success. Wow. Duh, 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 like so sexy. But now I'm like, tell me what you've been working on for a year. And I will think that that's sexy, you know, like, tell me what you've been whittling down and like what you've been committed to. Like, I just think that that is so much more sexy because it's like, that's harder to do. It's so much harder to be consistent and committed. Yeah. Again, (laughs) I love this. I mean, what you've just described right there is essentially the conceit of this podcast, right? Like, forget the fads, forget the gimmicks. Just tell me what you've actually been. Tell me about the systems you've been honing. Tell me about the process that you've developed. Tell me about how the process that you work with your clients has evolved over over the years. And I also, again, just uh, really resonate with this idea of um, finding something that you can approach really deliberately and teaching yourself how to do the work. Because very much like you, I have always sought sought whatever felt easy. Like, and I assumed that if it didn't come easily to me, you know, as, as I got, as I moved up the ranks, that then I just wasn't in the right thing. And then I would jump ship and find something else that felt easy and until it got hard and very much like you I've I've been working at learning how to work <laughs> learning how to do things deliberately learning how to be consistent um and finding a, a lot of great confidence in that so I, i'm i'm thrilled to, to see hear someone else with a similar experience um let's shift gears a little bit and then i think we're going to come back to this this piece around consistency and deliberation um but i'd love for you to tell us about the day that you decided to move to france for a year okay so My husband and I have always, well, first, my husband is from Tunisia, which is in North Africa. And he and I met in Paris, actually, in 2011. So we lived in Paris for a year. It was very 
whirlwind. It was very, we're 25, 26. We don't know what we're doing, but it feels very romantic. Um, and when we got back to the States um, and he had got his green card and every, you know, permanent residence and everything, and we did the whole immigration thing and fiance visa, all the stuff. Um, he, we had just, it's like life got really real <laughs> and we just, you know, we felt that it was, we were in a rut a little bit. And, um, you know, we had been talking about going back to France and, um, we, we thought that, I don't know, we just like kept thinking about it and kept thinking about it. And then, um, by 2018 or by the end of 2017, we were, um, approaching getting out of debt which was amazing. And I told myself, I was like, I'm not going to go travel and accure, like accrue more debt. And then we also were in a place where, um, you know, we had built savings. We were, um, because in order to get a long stay visa from France and most of Europe, but especially France, you need to show that you can support yourself, like essentially that you've taken a sabbatical from life um, and that you can support yourself the whole time you're there. Um, so we felt like we were in a really good position. And it was kind of like one of those things where we were just like, let's just see, like, let's just see if they're going to say yes. And I was secretly like, maybe they won't. And I had a lot of nerves about it. I had a lot of anxiety, which people get really surprised. They're like, you had anxiety about living in France? Like, wow. Okay. And they like roll their eyes at me. And I'm like, I understand. But also it's like a scary thing to just like up and move when you're, especially when you're like 32, 33, you're married. Like it's not really the done thing that people do. And I don't, I don't follow any of that, but still I had some like remnants of that kind of like, you need to settle down, Jamie, you need to like get your life together and all of this. And I was like, I do have my life together. And I still want to do this. Like, this will be so great. It'll be fun to travel when I actually have my life together instead of like traveling to escape my life. Um, so we like went and it was just one of those things where we were like, let's just put the paperwork together. Like after you immigrate someone to the United States, doing paperwork is nothing. It's just like, <laughs> oh, that's the easiest thing in the world to do a to form for France. Um, so we just like put the paperwork together, printed up some stuff, got more ink, of course. And then, and then we went and within a day they were like, sure, here's your visa. We were like, uh, Okay. Oh, wow. Thanks. Yeah. And then we didn't know that they um, picked a date for the visa to start and you had to go within five days of that date. So they were like, okay, March 6th, bye. And we had picked that date at random. We didn't even know they were going to use that. We thought it would start when we got there. And so we just, it was like the 1st of January or like January 2nd. And it was like, okay, so I guess you got to leave in two months. I was just like, what? And we, I mean, it was sort of like we had planned it for a long time, but also we hadn't. And so we didn't even know we were going to stay for a year. We both said to ourselves, we we're like, let's just go for a month and see what happens, you know? And of course we fell in love and wanted to stay there forever. And we were in Paris for four months, which was great. I love Paris, but the best thing was, um, we went to the south of France in Ken, and we were there for eight months, and it was literally the most amazing experience of our lives. Like the south of France is incredible, and it was definitely just 
I have to give credit to my husband because he pushed us a lot to do it. Like he's such a, let's just do it. Who cares? And I'm more of a, well, I'm going to be a little bit more practical. Let's see. And I'm so glad we have that push and pull because otherwise we wouldn't have spent eight months in the South of France. And I mean, we didn't want to come back. There's a possibility we'll go back. Um, and it's just, I mean, it was one, of, it was, it was half baked, but also fully baked at the same time to go. It was very strange. And we both, it, it sort of opened the world to us a little bit more in terms of how we felt about our lives. Like we didn't feel like, okay, just cause we're in our thirties doesn't mean that like, if we have the privilege and the luxury of being able to do this because of my work, which is location independent, why do we, why are we like forcing ourselves into a life that doesn't even fit with us just because mm-hmm. other people are doing it just because our age seems to dictate it or something like that. We can do this. And actually what ended up happening, which is the weirdest thing ever is we lived like five minutes walking from the beach and saved so much money. We came back with more money than we left with. <laughs> like That's it's so incredible. much cheaper there. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really really we didn't have cars, we didn't have all the I mean and everything's cheaper there. Really is. E- even in France, um Paris is a little bit more expensive, but in the south, my god, even though it's like the most beautiful place and everyone wants to visit, it's very seasonal. So, we just I mean, we saved so much money. It was like I was putting so much money into my savings every month. I was like what have we figured out here? Like, what have we, what has happened? I was really just like, it was almost like a sociological experiment. I was like, we're living two minutes walking from the actual Mediterranean French Riviera and we're saving money. What, how does this work? Okay. But so like, can we answer that question though? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get that you didn't have a car and you, and things are cheaper, but I have a feeling that there was something else going on there as well. That maybe had to do with the things that you guys were learning about yourselves individually, yourselves as a couple, the way you want to spend your time. You'll hear how Jamie's life and work changed after she moved back to the States in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partner. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Want to know the secret to creating more impact with your business while working less? Connect the people you care about to each other. Bringing people together is the magic ingredient in every success story in the digital age. Think about it. If you create connections between your followers and offer value through those interactions, your brand gets more useful with each new person who connects. When you bring together people, you're creating something much bigger than yourself, your podcast, your YouTube channel, or your Instagram feed. The savviest influencers, podcasters, content creators, educators, and entertainers are focusing on how they can connect their fans and followers to each other, not just build an audience. That's where Mighty Networks comes in. 
Mighty Networks gives you the power to connect the people you care about most, your followers, fans, and customers. And it acts as the central hub of your business operations, bringing your content, courses, relationships, messaging, events, and even payment processing together in one platform. We use Mighty Networks to power the What Works Network. We've seen firsthand just how much more value we can create by helping small business owners connect, build relationships, trade notes, and deep dive on their most pressing business challenges. And Mighty Networks has drastically streamlined our workflows too. Ready to connect your followers and create a lasting impact? It's time to get started with Mighty Networks. Get started free of charge by going to MightyNetworks.com. That's MightyNetworks.com. What kind of, what have you figured out maybe in retrospect culturally or like you said, sociologically or individually kind of contributed to that that financial finding that you had in the south of France. Yeah, I mean, obviously I've thought about it a lot since being back cuz I'm like that was fascinating. Um well, I think it's a bunch of things. I mean, first France in general and I have had this verified by many other people, so I feel confident that I can say this is that they are much more like for the mass of people instead of like for the few. Mm-hmm. Um so in general, everything actually is less expensive. Um, and we also, when there was so much we wanted to explore that went beyond spending money. So we, a lot of our spending habits changed because we, we didn't, there's not a consumer culture there. So there is something to be said about Mm -hmm. like what you are around, you know, like what you're, um, I guess like, uh, immersed in, all the time, even though I don't speak the language very well and I didn't have in-depth like conversations in French or anything, I can pick up on, you know, values, what people do. Like people are just happy to sit in a coffee shop in a cafe, a bistro for literal hours at a time and just sitting there. Like they would look at me weird when I brought my laptop, even though I was like, it's 4 p.m. here and I know you guys are off work, but actually it's like 7 a.m. on the West Coast. <laughs> right. I, it's time to start work. Um, so I was like, Okay, I got I give myself a little bit of a break there. But it was, you know, there's a different culture there that is they they don't want as much. Like they don't they're not as dissatisfied as Americans. And I took that back with me. Like I really focused all my effort for about a year on just like what does satisfaction look like? What does it look like to just be happy with what I have? which is just not something that I felt for, you know, decades of my life. I just was uh, like dissatisfaction had motivated me so much. And I was like, that's done. I can't do that anymore because it's, it has put me into debt. It has made me not see what's right in front of me. Like I don't, I can't even, I'm like blind to it um, when I'm thinking of dissatisfaction. And so there were a lot of things just being outside of a culture and then feeling like I fit more with, the French culture, um, because of their values. Like, I just don't like that constant stress. Like Paris, I will say Paris is very stressful. It's different. I mean, it's, it's more New York than it is France, but the South is so laid back. And because of that, when we moved back to the U S we wanted our life to feel like that. And so we moved to, um, Calabasas, 
um, which is a little bit outside of LA. And it's like a lot more suburban. And it's so much more chill and calm because we just like saw the value of having space to ourselves. Like my husband and I give ourselves a lot of space with even with each other. Like we are not, we spend a lot of time together, but we don't infringe upon each other's space. And because of that, I feel like we were able to think like I, what happened, it was hard coming back because I felt like I got immediately stressed. Mm -hmm. Like I started clenching again. I was like, God, I'm so stressed here. And I felt like everything moved a lot faster and I don't want that. So there's been a lot of like, I think we brought a lot of that back, which is what I want from travel. Like, I don't want to just, I mean, there's times where I just want to see, you know, the sites and things like that, but I really want to bring, like, I want to understand cultures. And I mean, Europe is very, is varied and there's a lot of different cultures within Europe, of course, but there is a sort of calmness to a lot of Western Europe, at least, um, that like I really experienced in Spain Amsterdam, you know, a, a lot of the places that I went. And um, I think that that's, that's something I wanted more than anything, because what happened was I was still had, a, I still worked a lot and I still made a lot of money and still did a lot that I really enjoyed, but I was calm throughout it. <laughs> I was like, wow, this can be how I live. Okay. No, noted, you know? I love that. Can we go back to what you said about satisfaction? Because that yeah. Really, I was like, oh, this is very exciting. <laughs> I want to learn more about this. What do you think is the tie between understanding what it takes for you to be satisfied and, and sort of living in a state of satisfaction, the tie between that and a new level of confidence or, or becoming more confident? Well, I, it's absolutely, it's 100% connected because when you feel like you have everything that you need and you are exactly you you are where you're supposed to be and you're satisfied with what you have right now it inherently you feel more confident about your place within yourself and within the world um because a lot of confidence uh, like we lose a lot of confidence when we strive for things that like make us feel bad that we don't have them so i just i have really let go of striving I'm not striving anymore. I'm not living like aspirationally, nothing like that. I want to just like, whatever I add into my life, I just want to do it because I have a really strong reason for it instead of, well, I'm really dissatisfied. And I need to change my life, which is truly, I mean, it sounds very trite, but like I felt that for literally like 10 years. So it was a very huge shift for me to focus on satisfaction. Like when I want to buy something, I'm like, what do I really want that for? Mm -hmm. What do I really need that for? Because if it's to keep up and feel trendy and all of this, like, okay. I mean, if it is to feel trendy, at least I can be honest with myself and do it because of that. If it's, if it's to, you know, fill up an insecurity, I don't need to do that. And like, that has made me more confident in my decision-making and hit and it has made me more confident in the things that I take on. So I'm not doing it to prove anything to anyone because I'm so satisfied in my current life. And like, I'm not saying that this is easy. I work at it every day. Truly, that is like effort to just like, especially living in Southern California. I mean, I'm living in a one, you know, a 
one bedroom plus loft apartment in a place where like the Kardashians live. Mm -hmm. Like it's, I mean, it is, this is the greatest test for me of like, can I be satisfied? Like I see people coming in with incredible things that they own and everything, but I'm like, I guess I got to this point where I was like, at some point it's a, it's like the law of diminishing returns. I can't, if I can make myself as happy and as satisfied as I am right now, then I don't need to strive anymore. And therefore I don't need to feel bad about myself anymore. Like if I don't have any of that, it's like, I guess it was like treating the the wound instead of like the symptom around the wound. It was like, that's the wound is that I am always feeling not good enough and I'm always feeling dissatisfied. And you can't like, really, you can't feel confident and dissatisfied and confident and not good enough and inadequate at the same time. You just can't, like, it's impossible. Those are opposing sides. So I just got really intentional about making sure that my actions and my mind and everything lined up with satisfaction and acceptance and not just like, oh, I accept that my life is crap, you know, Mm -hmm. but like it's acceptance of this is like radical acceptance. Like this is how it is. This is real, real life. This is reality. And let's be satisfied with what we have because I really don't think that like satisfaction and joy and happiness should be so inaccessible and so expensive as it's made out to be. Like we can be happy doing anything. I mean, I've been happy doing all sorts of jobs, all sorts of things. Um, and I just, I, I think that like maybe the, this, the satisfaction has come from experience, but also it's been about like retraining my mind because I think especially in American culture, we are taught, we are sold dissatisfaction everywhere. Like just the languaging of it is everywhere of like, you need to do this. Like even, I mean, I remember one time I was watching TV and there was a commercial about how doesn't your garbage disposal smell? And I was (laughs) like, my God, you're giving us every problem you could think of. Like every single problem is like, aren't you embarrassed about how bad your garbage disposal smells? I was like, is that a thing? Like, I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. And so I just was like, you know what? I got to step off this. I got to step off this roller coaster because I can't win it. So I need to do something else, which is change my mind about what I'm valuing. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about balancing feeling satisfaction with what we have right now and working toward a vision or working toward goals, because you don't seem to be the person who, the kind of person who is not moving forward at the same time that you're finding satisfaction. So how do you personally balance those things? And, and specifically, how do you balance those things in relationship to your business? Oh, that's great question. (laughs) Um, well, I think it, that's an evolving process. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of people, they don't want to, uh, myself included, I didn't want to feel satisfied because I thought that would make me complacent mm-hmm. and lazy. And I have a lot of goals. I have a lot of ambition, but I had to find a way for those to work together. And I think 
So I'm currently working on something and I haven't even put this on social media or anything yet, but um, I recently signed with a literary agent and wrote my first book proposal. Um, so I, when I got back from France, I sat down and I went to Starbucks every single day at 5 p.m. after all my work was done and I worked on my book proposal. And this was only possible, and I only did it in that way because I was able to feel completely satisfied with where I'm at now. And I wanted to write this book because it just seemed fun. <laughs> Truly. It was like, that just seems fun. Let's see what I can do with this. Like, let's see what potential, like, what else can I do with my time? Because when I actually, when I got back from France, I was like, they they had no like Hulu or Netflix or I mean they had Netflix but it was France Netflix so there wasn't a lot so when I first got back I was like watching a lot of TV because <laughs> I was like behind on all my shows <laughs> so and then I was like I kind of was sitting there and I was like Jamie this is probably not the best use of your time um from like you know we need to maybe do something with this and so what I started thinking about was okay so if I have nothing to prove if I feel really satisfied, like what, what just seems interesting to work on. And so I put down on my thing, I was like, okay, I do Shatterbox, my design business. That's like to have a life, like that's money, that's consistent. And I had a very clear why and that like, it didn't need to be anything more than it was. And then, you know, then I have my book that I'm working on for passion and, you know, something that I've just always wanted to work on. And then I have other things that I'm doing. And I have a very clear reason. And instead of it being to prove to other people that I can write a book or to prove to other people that I can run a business and to show how much money I make or to show this or show that I don't have that anymore. So then I felt really free. And actually I'm doing more now mm -hmm. because I feel so satisfied. It's like, I have that base, that foundation. And now it's like, it's almost more, it's like, the effort is just fun. I'm like, oh, let's just see. Like, you know, I kept thinking when I was writing my my book proposal, I was like, this thing is like 80 pages. Damn. Okay. Like that was cool that I did that. Like I know that I can do that now. I mean, it's weird because it just, it, I feel so much less burdened by, oh my God. Well, what if like, I didn't even think like, I was like, what if this isn't good? I was like, okay, so what? Like, then it's not good. And I just keep working on it until I think it's good. Like, it's not, the stakes are so much lower now. And it sounds, it's so different than what I thought would happen, which I thought like, I'll just be so lazy and never do anything. So I need to like, always stay on top of myself and never make sure that I ever feel good about myself. And I was like, well, that didn't work very well. I mean, all I... It's like, then that's not very, like, I don't, I don't want my life to be that heavy. Um, so it really, it actually opened up a lot of my ambition because now I'm, I'm just like, well, what sounds interesting? What can I do? Like, what can I experiment with instead of, um, like, that's why I started, I do these monthly workshops, these mm -hmm. online workshops. I started that because I was like, I have so many things that I've learned. I just want to talk about them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's a ticket. Like, Come you know? And it wasn't like, Oh my God, well, if nobody comes, it means that I'm the worst and all this stuff, like, which is truly how my inner life used to be. Yep. So it all connects, you know, I mean, you know, this is like, I'm, I've followed your work for a long time. So I know that like, 
this is, we, we definitely have very similar mindsets in this way. Yeah. Yes. And I just, I put a a really big star in my notes next to the stakes are so much lower. Um, because I think that goes against what people assume or expect from kind of producing or exploring on the level that you're producing and exploring right now. They assume, and it can often feel like the stakes are so much higher, but I love how you have illustrated how finding that radical satisfaction, finding a new level of confidence has actually lowered the stakes so that you can experiment more and and just have fun with it and see what happens. I'd love to hear about kind of a few more of the sort of nitty gritty decisions or details or choices that you've made um, in this mindset. Like, you know, I'm thinking about even just like the makeup free uh, headshots that you just had done that are so phenomenal. What are some of the, well, first off, can you tell us about that and that decision? And then what are some of the other like little things like that, that you've decided to do that maybe a couple of years ago, even you wouldn't have even considered? Oh, I mean, well, the makeup free headshots, that was, I got some headshots when I was in Portugal. Um, I decided that I needed to update my website and I hired a makeup artist and she did my hair and makeup and it was great. But I looked at the pictures and I was like, this doesn't look like me mm-hmm. and uh, this isn't me. And so I put them away and I was like, okay, well, you know, I just invested in that. So I'm not going to invest again. But um, when I got back to LA and I mean, I can't stress enough that they're, I mean, LA is like a very weird place to be makeup free. <laughs> it's like not, I mean, and I don't have any doubts about it because I actually, I just like learned to like my face now. Um, and not to say that I never wear makeup, but I don't very often. And um, the part of, I was like, I feel like I could just do headshots without makeup. Like it didn't even occur to me before. Like I was just like, that's how you have to do pictures. I was like, but wait, maybe I don't. Mm -hmm. I was like, huh? Well, if I don't value, like, because when you start, when I started thinking about like, how would it look like for me to be satisfied? It meant that I had to define my life for myself because if I define it by society's terms, I will be dissatisfied my whole life. Like I will die dissatisfied because there's no, there's no literature there really. Like there's no example. And so when I started defining it for myself, I mean, first it was the obvious, like define success, define this, define that. And then I was like, I'm going to get real nitty gritty. Like what's beauty to me? Okay. So if I don't over or under if I don't overvalue looking a certain way, then like I can look however I feel naturally inclined to look. So that's cool. That's freeing. Um, And if I like, I don't, um, what are there? And so then if I could get really specific, so if I don't overvalue certain purchases, Mm -hmm. then like, I don't have to, like, there's certain things in my life that like, I've decided that I just don't care about. So for example, like, I'm very intentional about who I follow on social media or like who I give my attention to. Um, and I'm very intentional about who, what I give my attention to in a movie or a TV show or something like I don't actively want to harm myself. So instead of feeling like, well, I'm just not strong enough to watch someone or this or that. I don't think of it that way. Like I don't shame myself anymore. I'm more into like, 
how can I lift myself up? Like, why are we not like talking about that? You know, like, why is it always we have to like, we have to like suffer through all these like painful things. And it's like, why can't we talk about how to like rise together? Um, So in terms of like the nitty gritty other decisions that I've made, I mean, um, for, well, the Friday letters, Mm -hmm. like I, those are 1400 to 1500 words. And I was on another podcast and someone was like, what made you think, like, she wasn't being rude, but it was kind of funny the way she phrased the question. She's like, what made you think like people would read that? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't care, I guess. Like that was what I wanted to write. And so like, I wanted to column like I wanted I was in I was talking to in style at the time about potentially having a column and they wanted me to write about plus size fashion and I was not interested in that so I was like why don't I just make my own column and then I was like you know what I like to read stuff like Mm -hmm. this so there has to be other people that read like this and that was a very clear indication of like I am no longer like so fixated on what other people are going to think of me that now I'm free to do what I think is, is the best. And so another nitty gritty is like, I show a lot of my behind the scenes on Instagram and Instagram stories. It doesn't even bother me. I don't care. I'm like, I want people to share this way. So I'm going to share in this way. And, and then with the workshops, I was like, I don't want to do I a big course. I want to just like talk about one thing and then go. And those have been very popular and and it's been interesting to see how many people are interested in that. And so there's a lot of things of like, I've made a lot of different decisions where I'm not watching what other people are doing. I'm not like focused on that. And my growth might be a little slower, but it's actually like a lot more intentional. So um, I'm not just trying to, you know, get a reaction out of people. I don't think... um, you know, I don't try to write so that people share it or anything. Mm-hmm. I, I really just like say what I think I want to say. And it sounds very, sounds kind of obvious, but at the same time, it's like, I used to put a lot of thought into all of mm-hmm. that, like how to manipulate a lot of that, you know? And so all of those decisions have shifted because what being satisfied, like radically satisfied has done is allow me to not care what people think as much or much at all. So I don't value how people perceive me any longer, which is huge because I used to very much. Like I used to really, like I used to even think like people told me I should do this profession. So I must be good at it. Like I didn't even have a sense for my own self, you know? Um, And so that has been really big. It's like, it, it has allowed me to take my power back from so many opinions and so many different ways that I'm like this narrow view of how I'm supposed to live and do business and everything. And so that has really, and like to bring it all back, it's like confidence, I think is like the natural byproduct of that. Like you just, I, I don't have it. I don't know. There's no way to doubt myself in that. I mean, I still, it still creeps in, but it's usually like I can acknowledge and see what's causing that doubt or like sometimes it's as clear as like I'm doubting myself because I'm not putting in the time yet like I'm not I'm not doing the thing yet and so I think that has like made it's really shifted a lot 
and has made me realize that like all the stuff that I was trying to do, gain enough approval from other people, get validated, get enough likes, get enough this, get enough that from other people. It was like, I thought that would bring me satisfaction and confidence, but it was completely wrong. Like it was like, I needed to have it for myself. And then now those things don't matter as much. They still matter. Of course, I want to have a successful business and a successful, I want my book to sell and things like that, but it's not like life or death. I'm not like, oh my God, if I don't sell like a million copies of this book, I am a huge failure. I'm like, okay, like I got, I sent out a bunch of queries for my book proposal and I got rejections and I was like, yes, (laughs) I am, because it means I'm actually doing Mm -hmm. it. Like I would like, I went down to my husband and I was like, I got rejected today. I was like, yay. <laughs> like really, because I was just like, I it doesn't, it's not gonna do anything to me. Like, what's the worst it's gonna do? I'm gonna feel like a tiny sting. Okay, move on. So that is huge because honestly, the fear of rejection is like what kept me from not doing a book for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I can relate to that for sure. Um, as we start to wrap up here. First off, I could talk to you about this all day long and and all yeah. the places where I think a lot of our uh, actions and, and you know, the things that we're both working on kind of overlap, even if they look very, very different on the surface. Um, but I'm curious for you, kind of looking back over the last few years, is there a particular decision that you made or an action that you took or a habit that you started to form that you feel like maybe though it was really small started to set all of this work, all of this personal development in motion? Yes. I started writing. um, First I started journaling and I got a lot of stuff out, a lot of my anger out. And then I turned that into, I write down my intentions. I talk about my intentions a lot. And I even did a workshop on writing intentions um, where I take what I want and how I want to feel. And I turn it into a, like a, 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 like a present moment. So if I want to be happy, I say, I am happy. They're affirmation Mm -hmm. statements essentially. And I write like one to two pages of that. And I've been doing that for almost God, like two or three years now. And that was a turning point for me because what I realized, because I do it in the morning, what I realized was I was like, if this is how I truly want to feel, I'm not doing anything to support that. Like, I was like, oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) That sucks. It was a really hard moment with myself. I was like, I don't do anything to help that, help myself feel happier or feel good or feel confident. Like, I just don't. Um, And so it wasn't like, I, I believe in like, there is some truth to manifestation and positive thinking, of course. But it was more like those were became inspired mm-hmm. actions because I was like, if I want to do these things and this is how I want to feel, then I need to support that. Otherwise, I can't say that like I just can't live with myself. <laughs> like I don't know. Um, and so doing that was really the point where I was like, you know, I need to see how I can feel good now in the moment as I am instead of striving for it. And that changed a lot because I was like, I think that I was doing a lot of things. And I say this a lot of like investing my current suffering in some reward in the Mm -hmm. future. 
And I think it's good to work for things. It's good to be, you know, you can have your goals and everything, but I think if it's actively harming you, it's probably not the best thing for you. So I actually took a step back from everything. I stopped writing. I hadn't written when I started um, writing again on my Instagram in like middle of 2018, I hadn't written for like almost three years. I was done. Yeah. I had, I, and I, before that I was off of social media completely all of 2017 because I just couldn't, I was like, I need to just find out who I am again. Like, and not to say that it was all social media, but that was part of it. Um, And so a lot of it was focusing very clearly from the beginning of like, what makes me feel good? And then what kept coming up in my intentions was in allowing to feel good. Like I kept writing, I allow myself to be happy. I allow myself to feel good. I was like, that's so interesting because I guess I hadn't before. Like I hadn't really thought that I was allowed or deserving or worthy. And those actions of like, how can I support myself in feeling good helped me build like self-worth, more confidence. Like you have confidence when you know it's confidence isn't feeling that everything's going to go perfectly your way. It's knowing that you'll be resilient regardless. Like that's, it's not about creating perfect circumstances. It's about knowing like, okay, even if this doesn't work out the way that I see it in my head working out, I can learn from it. I can do something else. I can, it's all information. And I think that that's what helped me a lot is because I just wanted to feel good and I wanted to feel lighter and calmer and putting that as my focus meant that a lot of the things that I thought would bring me to that place, I I couldn't do those things anymore. I was like, well, this is actually not bringing me there. So what can I do right now? And because of that, I was like, you know, I got out of debt because I was, I had to be honest with myself that like being in debt and being overwhelmed with money and not ever take, you know, avoiding money as if it would like bite me. The moment I looked at my bank account, like being terrified of money wasn't helping either. That was, that's an expensive thing to feel. So I was like, I got to look at that. So it was a, it was a small insight that turned into a very big action for me. Um, because recognizing that I had never, ever, not even once prioritized feeling good, feeling happy, feeling satisfied right now as I am, that changed everything. So I was like, really, it was an experiment. I was like, let's just see how this goes because the other way (laughs) has led me here. (laughs) So let's just see. And now it's like, that's the basis of my book because I'm like, this changed my life, not because it made my whole life perfect with perfect circumstances. It means that I'm just like no longer afraid. Like if, if something fails, okay, I'll just move on. Like I can deal with that. I can weather it. It's okay. And that I think is like the epitome of confidence um, because we can't control how things go. I mean, I've tried, believe me, take it from me. I tried to control everything. (laughs) And um, because of that, it made me afraid. Like if you try to control everything and then you realize you can't control anything, then it's like, okay, stay in this small box and don't do anything. Um, So that was 
I opened the box and I said, okay, I'm not going to try to control everything. And now I'm going to see how this goes of like, can I be resilient? Can I be satisfied? Can I weather it? Can I fail and be okay? Can I be rejected by an, a literary agency and still just like look at the email and go, hmm, okay, not a fit next. Apparently I can now. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I really love it. Okay. Well, like I said, I could talk to you about this all day, but we don't have all day. <laughs> so I, I think that's a good place to start <laughs> to to kind of leave things. I love how you've defined confidence in terms of resilience um, and sort of a and and sort of a lack of attachment and and just knowing knowing what you want and working to create that without a sense of control. I mean, all of that. I just, I love it all. Um, so I typically ask um, people on the podcast what they're excited about right now. And I know you've listed a whole bunch of things, but what's something coming up for you either personally or in your business uh, world that you're just really jazzed about? I'm the big thing is the book. Yeah. This is, it's so exciting to do this without having my whole self-worth contingent upon every word that I write. Like it's, it's a joy to like write again without having all my doubts come back up, having all these horrible stress dreams and everything. And just like work with an agent that gets me and wants to work with me and um, gets my vision and see what happens. Like, I think that this time next year, things will be really different. And I'm, I'm excited for that. Like, I'm just, I'm really excited for that. Yeah. I'm excited for you. And I can't wait to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, Jamie Varen, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much for sharing what confidence means to you. And not only that, all of the little things and the big things that you've done to redefine confidence for yourself and find that radical satisfaction in your own life. Thank you so much for your insightful questions. Find out more about Jamie Varon at jamievarron.com and follow her on Instagram at Jamie Varon. Now it's your turn to get candid about confidence. We're hosting an ongoing conversation about confidence on our Instagram handle at explore what works. Find today's post about Jamie's story and let us know about something that's required your full attention and effort and been totally worth it. Or tell your story in your own Instagram feed or story using the hashtag CandidConfidence. Now, our next Candid Confidence conversation is with Michael Karsh, the co-founder of Edios Media. You'll hear how Michael found the confidence to work with major players like Google, Facebook, Salesforce, and more within months of getting his production company started. This episode was produced by Sean McMullen. It was edited by Marty Seafelt. Our theme music is By the Shrugs. Find more candid conversations and personal reflections about navigating insecurity and finding the confidence to take the next step at explorewhatworks.com slash confidence.